Welcome to the Security Sessions podcast, brought to you by Talist and hosted by me, Nera Jones. In this podcast series, we'll be discussing the technologies, people, and processes behind information security and delving into topics like data security, remote access, and digital transformation. We'll be speaking to Talis and industry experts to bring you fresh perspectives on how to navigate the world of cloud security. Today's episode is entitled, Does a Data Breach Seal an Organization's Fate? Our insatiable appetite for digital services has no sign of slowing down. But as we consume more and our digital footprints grows, we are presented with a mounting challenge, cybersecurity. In fact, today's data breaches are so endemic that we can argue that consumers are becoming numb to the effects. They change their passwords, they get a few reassuring emails from the affected company, and more often than not, nothing comes out of it. Of course, businesses will feel the impact, often for years, and perhaps After repeated breaches, consumers might start getting worried, but is the idea that a large data breach could seal an organization's fate so far-fetched? Today, I have two fantastic guests for you. Philippe Vallée, Executive Vice President, Digital Identity and Security at Palace, and Karsten Maple, Professor of Cyber Systems Engineering and Director of Cybersecurity Research at the University of Warwick. Welcome, Philip and Carsten. Philip, if I may ask you to introduce yourself briefly. Thank you very much, uh, Neira. So, uh, yes, like you said, I'm, I'm leading a, a business uh, at Thales, which is dealing with uh, identity and, and security management for, for our customers. Uh, and this is a, a very important mission uh, because... Uh, Uh, most of our customers are, are switching to digital services and we really help them to protect the data of their custom, customers and also uh, helping them granting better access uh, in terms of identity management when their consumers want to access their services. And I'm very, very pleased to uh, lead that, uh, that unit. Welcome, Philippe. And Carsten, if you would introduce yourself, please. Thank you, Nara. So my name is Carson Maple. I'm a professor of cyber systems engineering at the University of Warwick, where I lead the NCSC EPSRC Academic Center of Excellence in Cybersecurity Research. So what I try to do is not only work out how people can break systems, but how we can actually protect them and make them trustworthy and resilient. Um, I'm also a fellow at the Alan Turing Institute, the National Institute for Data Science and AI in the UK. And I work a lot with industry and government to, to really try and protect information and critical national infrastructure. One area that I'm pleased to work in particularly is with the Royal Society in the UK on their Privacy Enhancing Technologies Working Group. That's fantastic. Two very busy people today. Thank you for making time uh, in your schedules to uh, to be guests on the on this podcast. So without further ado, let's uh, delve into the discussion. So according to the Talis Consumer Digital Trust Index, a third of global consumers have become victims of a data breach. We also observe some discrepancies in the level of trust when comparing 
not only different industries, but also different geographies. So why do you think that is, Carsten? Well, you know, different uh, countries have got different perceptions of, of data and of the services that they receive. So there's many different types of regulation in different countries and many different people all over the survey. We see a range of the amount of people that completely trust online services. So in Japan, being um, as, as low as 5% that trust completely to in the uh, UAE, completely trusting um, services at a rate of 37%. So they, they trust certain services, but not others. That is interesting. We don't often think about the, the cultural uh, dimensions when we start talking about cybercrime and uh, and data breaches. So as far as uh, industries, uh, Carsten, you mentioned uh, uh, healthcare, but looking at more global level, what do you observe, Philip, in uh, in your uh, uh, in your customer portfolio in terms of industries and uh, and trust and uh, and uh, consumer perception? Well, there's, um, there's uh, one thing that we, we can say is that uh, a specific group of industries, uh, namely uh, insurance and, and banking, have probably made a, a lot of effort uh, to improve their, their, their security uh, uh, globally in the past, uh, in, in the past few, few years. I would say this is probably the, the, leading, uh, the leading group then. Uh, something that is to be mentioned is that if anything... The pandemic that we have been through uh, over the past two years has really accelerated the usage of uh, digital services for, for many, many different things. So uh, uh, what plans uh, uh, that would, uh, uh, let's say, take uh, three, four years to develop have, done, have been done in, in a few months. I mean, and, and many industries have realized how important it was uh, to secure their digital link with uh, many more consumers Uh, connecting and, and asking for product or, or goods. So I would say uh, today many industries have realized that uh, the, uh, the security is very important, uh, not only for uh, granting an access to a consumer when it is a new one uh, for a consumer acquisition program, for example, or an existing one for repeat uh, connections for, um, on a daily basis, but also um, the amount of data which are now generated by, by these uh, digital services are just enormous and, and companies must really protect them. And, and this is a trend which is now impacting many, many industries. In, indeed, it is. So when you look at the, the differences in uh, consumer perception and the level of trust they have, you know, and uh, the variations across geographies and uh, an industry, can you actually see uh, correlations with increased awareness of uh, data privacy uh, um, and, and data regulation playing a role in that, Carsten? Well, one of the things I think is we've, we've got some pretty strong regulation around data privacy and data protections in various parts of the world, most notably the EU with its GDPR, which has been a major success and been rolled out in many countries in one form or another, but is not yet globally accepted. So if, if we have this good data protection, what we would hope to see is fewer breaches. And I think that's what impacts on, on the trust. 
Um, rather than the awareness of data privacy and data protection, because um, that, that will vary and so some of the data on that is, is difficult to um, assess. But if you have strong data privacy and protection, then you're likely to have fewer breaches. So we, we definitely see that in, in places like Germany, which have got, um, in terms of the respondents, much fewer breaches than many other parts of the world. If you've got fewer breaches, then you are going to have more trust. Um, so, so that will make that difference. But the important thing, as I said uh, slightly earlier, is there is a big variation in who you trust. The, the sector that really fed really poorly across all countries was social media. Um, and I think that's uh, an interesting point that social media, we've seen some big stories lately about abuses of, of personal data. And I think that has impacted because, again, as I say, it's a breach of either data or of the trust rather than necessarily um, awareness of data pre uh, protection regulation. Thank you, Carsten. Uh, what's your take on that, Philippe? Well, I think I think I don't think I don't think we can really conclude at a direct correlation. But obviously, the level of awareness is 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 increasing. I fully concur with Carson's comment on on social media. I mean, this is clearly an important signal for those industries to to react. But I would say this is. I mean, we need to, to leverage this global awareness by, uh, by also providing, and, and this is, uh, for me, uh, a very important mission from, uh, from, from enterprises. They need to provide, let's say, a better security. They need to do a definitely a better job uh, without, uh, uh, let's say, compromising on the, uh, on the user convenience. And I would say uh, today the, the main Uh, challenge uh, for for enterprises in this uh, very very digital uh, environment is really to find uh, the permanent the, the 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 permanent ideal balance, if I may say, between security and user convenience, and this is probably one of the uh, the great, greatest challenge ahead for uh, uh, for the CISO uh, of the planet. Absolutely, I, I totally, uh, totally agree. And and when it comes to uh, to regulation, particularly, this uh, actually brings me to to ask the question of how we approach uh, enforcement uh, uh, of regulations. And uh, and Carsten, you mentioned uh, social media earlier on and big tech in in general, who seem to be getting away with uh, with murder of uh, of late, but. Uh, uh, It was interesting to see that uh, the Thales uh, Trust Index found that uh, many consumers don't think that large fines or financial penalties could be the main punishment for, for a data breach. And uh, what was interesting is that many uh, of the respondents believe that companies should be forced into mandatory encryption and multi-factor authentication tools. And that's interesting because when we talk back about the industry we were talking earlier on, uh, specifically around financial services and specifically in, in Europe, where we have adjunct regulations such as the Second Payment Services Directive, which actually mandates 
uh, strong customer authentication on financial services institution in the in the payment space. So we started to 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 see that from other regulation and perhaps you know raising again the amounts of uh, trust in those organisations. But when consumers actually uh, 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 show uh, 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 a willingness to see companies being forced into encryption and authentication, uh, that's a very interesting signal uh, from people at large. So what do you think about that, Carsten? So, yeah, I think this is a really interesting point, Nara. Um, of course, one of the key uh, instruments that regulators use is is this large fine that they ask um, anybody who does not comply with regulation to pay. Now, of course, that large, large fine is something that happens after a breach, right? Once you've been breached, you can have a large fine. Now, it, it's interesting that consumers think that is ineffective, and that could be for a number of reasons. But one of the reasons is they make so much money that actually a large fine will not make too much difference. Um, so how effective is a large fine? Even 4% of GDPR, uh, sorry, 4% of their annual turnover is, is significant in some ways, but they, they can make profits um, very quickly and have a lot of reserves. So actually, I think it's interesting that consumers said large fines don't work. What was interesting to me, though, more interesting was consumers also responded saying, we don't want remuneration for the breach, so we don't need some of that remuneration too much. But what's more important, much more important, is to prevent it happening again. So using encryption or multi-factor authentication. And that aligns with the fact that many people, eight out of 10, would still use the service even after it had been compromised to expose their data. So what they're saying is, we understand that, that that things will happen, but you need to do the right protections. Make the right protections because even if my data is breached, I still will use the service, and that's probably out of a need. And if you think many of the services, you know, online banking, we need to use. Um, um, many of the services like booking hotels, we need to use. But some of them, like the social media, for example, actually – that's important to us, and we feel that we need to engage in that social media activity. So even if we're breached, we're still going to use those services. But the um, instrument that the regulators should use is to mandate use of encryption and multi-factor authentication, which will make um, the system harder to compromise. So I, th I thought that was very interesting by, by the respondents. Indeed, it was, and uh, so Philippe. So, in your in your customer base, do you actually observe any kind of uh, willingness to do the right thing? You know, even in the absence of regulations in that space. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, I I, I would say uh, before answering the question that uh, this uh, this result from the survey shows. Uh, demonstrate that consumers start to be quite aware about the, the, the possible mitigation because they are, uh, they start to ask for solution and not, um, I mean, they are not satisfied by uh, just uh, the, the fine. Uh, and, and Karsten was uh, very, very clear on, on, on this point. Uh, 
what um, what what we what we used to say or what we say today at Thales it's uh, to our customers uh, when we uh, when we see them it's not about uh, if you are going to be hacked but when are you going to be hacked and uh, uh, the, the reason why we have uh, we are really pushing encryption as a technology is that this is a very very powerful argument vis-à-vis -vis consumers because uh, Uh, the idea that uh, in case of a breach is happening, uh, data remain safe because they remain encrypted and therefore useless for an attacker. And this is probably one of the strongest arguments that we've ever found on the on the business is to really um, see with our uh, uh, with our customers how uh, deep and how wide can they protect the data they hold on behalf of their consumers by encrypting them. Uh, what I, I would I would say, uh, just to uh, answer uh, finally your question uh, completely, is that the main challenges we see today in industries and within our, our, um, our customers is to make sure that they do the proper inventory of data because Today, in our um, current world, in our current digital world, you find data almost everywhere. You know, on the server of the company, on the PC of the of the employees, uh, on on the on the cloud, because uh, companies are going more and more to the cloud. And therefore, being able to have the right encryption approach vis-à-vis -vis data is first and above all to make sure you have a good idea of where those data sits. And uh, this is probably today the main challenge for our customers is to really do that inventory. Absolutely. A data inventory is uh, is so totally crucial because if you don't know what you have, how can you know uh, what to protect in in a, sen in a sense? So uh, looking at that, Philippe, you were mentioning earlier on that, of course, all of this takes time and and certainly uh, investment and uh, and and I guess perhaps some some industries or or, or, or if we look at sizes of companies uh, maybe perhaps this is becoming all a bit too hard so are we observing perhaps you know a state of apathy because you don't know where to start and where do you start your inventory how are you going to do it so do you actually see that at all Philippe? We, we do see uh, companies uh, taking, taking that um, uh, very seriously, all the more, uh, and as described by, by Karsten very well, uh, now more and more regulation are impacting. Huh? We are talking a lot about uh, GDP, GDPR, but, uh, but GDPR is inspiring a lot of countries in Japan, in the US, uh, in some states in the US, in California, for example. I mean, pressure is, is mounting on, on putting, uh, let's say, really a strong protection on data and, and personal data in particular. And, and, and today we see, um, let's say, uh, a strong interest uh, for that. At the end, I would say it's a question of um, uh, budget uh, uh, decision and budget allocation because when it comes to uh, cyber security, um, uh, you, you have to do uh, uh, many things. And uh, uh, you, uh, you you work on the access, you work on data protection, you work on uh, uh, antivirus uh, uh, deployment, and, and so on and so forth. So uh, when you are the CISO of uh, of the company, you obviously need to allocate your budget uh, in the right direction at the right moment. I would I would say at this point, due to the acceleration of uh, uh, the usage of digital services. Uh, uh, I would say because of the pandemic, 
uh, uh, we are uh, we, we see uh, a stronger uh, attention and a stronger budget allocation for data protection uh, due to this uh, level of usage and to this uh, higher and higher level of regulation, which is uh, increasing by the day, I would say. Thank you, Philippe. And, and Carsten, so on, on that same point, are, are we observing empathy uh, in the space or, or, you know, are we moving forward? Uh, are we much better than we were five years ago? I think um, I agree with what Philippe said uh, there, actually. But what I'd like to talk about apathy, in, in a sense, is people have talked about customers being desensitized to breaches, that they just accept them, and that customers, rather than the companies that Philippe was talking about and that you asked about, I'd like to sort of think about the end users, the consumers, of the people whose breaches, uh, whose data has been breached. And what I'd like to think is, are they just used to it and do they accept that it's part of being online that data is breached? And interestingly, um, 80% of, of people where a company had been breached did still use um, the service, right? But still, that is one in five people that have said they will stop using a service once it's breached. That is a significant minority of people that happens too many times and you can quickly erode your customer base, right? So one in five are not apathetic. They're, they're, they're stopping using the, the system um, entirely. And beyond that, it's the kind of actions um, that, that people take. So what we are seeing is of those that stop using the service, for example, 17% of the, the, the respondents have considered or actually taken legal action. And that's a significant number. You know, no organization wants to be taken to court by its consumers, its customers. Um, so I, I think with only of those one in five that um, stop using the service, only a third of them didn't take any further action such as telling the company to delete all of their information, reporting to them to a regulator. So, so what we are seeing is one in five already acting and saying, no, I'm not going to use the service uh, anymore. And two thirds of that 20% taking more serious action, including legal action. And to me, that is definitely not an apathetic consumer base. Absolutely, and uh, and on on that uh, uh, on that topic of uh, trust, uh, because these are not insignificant numbers. So, how can organisation uh, help enhance consumer trust on that point, Carsten? Well, I, th I think the first thing that that people have got to do is be seen to protect data. So, actively act to protect data and be seen to protect it. So, as we mentioned earlier. Um, encryption, multi-factor authentication. These are things that we are getting used to. There was something that there was a resistance to at, at some point because it created friction in using a service. But but nowadays we've got um, systems that can recognize the device that I'm using. So um, it, it knows this is my mobile phone that I, I, I use a lot and we can use multi-factor authentication. People will accept that friction to using a service if they believe that it increases the protection of their data. So what I would say to, to, to businesses, understand the importance 
of protecting data because you cannot afford to lose one in five of your customers every time you have a breach. That That's serious. And the way to, to, to ensure that those customers have that trust is to take protection seriously and be seen to protect that data. Absolutely. And I'm sure, Philippe, you completely agree with what uh, uh, Carsten just, just said. But do you have anything to add in terms of uh, businesses and what they should do and what indeed you tell them? Yes, uh, yes, indeed. I, I fully concur with uh, Carsten's comment. I, I would say it, it's very important for companies to communicate um, uh, the, the, the level of protection they are, they are applying. And this is, uh, they, they, they could probably do so in a much, uh, much more uh, explanatory way by being very uh, uh, clear and, and simple with their customers. Uh, I, I take an example, for example, uh, uh, about uh, how governments in very digital countries like Estonia or uh, Portugal today are currently publishing, uh, let's say, uh, how uh, the, the public data they are using are, uh, uh, let's say, used and, and protected uh, uh, to the benefit of, of uh, citizens. So uh, being being clear, uh, being um, uh, open uh, on the way uh, things are done, it's certainly something that companies should do more in order to increase that level of trust. Well, we could talk about this topic for ages, but I'm afraid that's all we have time for for today. But before I let you go, Philip and Carsten, I have one more question to ask you, and that is for your final top tip for our listeners. So starting with you, Philippe. Well, I would say uh, uh, when it comes to uh, cybersecurity and in particular, uh, uh, let's say good uh, good rules around data protection, uh, my top tip is really to train uh, your employees on a regular basis and, and display uh, simple rules uh, on uh, every walls of the company. Uh, the, the more the more you communicate about those simple rules on how to protect data and what are the good, uh, let's say, um, things to apply on a daily basis, uh, you are uh, uh, pretty uh, pretty good uh, uh, to pursue your uh, uh, your uh, adventures. Thank you, Philippe. And what's your final top tip, Carsten? Okay, well, what I would say in there is, you know, cybersecurity and consumer trust are complex issues, um, as, as Philippe was saying. I would really encourage anybody who is listening to read the report completely and carefully and assess how that impacts on their business. They should identify which questions does it leave unanswered. I, I mentioned in the report um, how it inspires greater research um, and there's a real need to, uh, to do that. Um, companies should have a look at what questions are still unanswered and how can they find the answers? How can they for their business, identify what's important to their customers. And the report provides an excellent starting point. Thank you, Carsten. And uh, thank you to both of you for joining the podcast and uh, and sharing with you your, uh, your insights. Um, so thank you, Philippe. And thank you, Carsten, for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you, Naya. So uh, you have been listening to the Talis Security Sessions podcast. Today's episode was entitled Does a Data Breach Seal an Organization's Fate? I was joined by Philippe Vallée, Executive Vice President, Digital Identity Security at Talis, and Carsten Maipol, Professor of Cyber Systems Engineering and Director for Cybersecurity Research at the University of Warwick. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to download the Talis Consumer Digital Trust Index. Thank you.
Love this episode of the Talus Security Sessions podcast? Search us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast service to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Be sure to visit us at cpl.talusgroup.com to access previous episodes, bringing you insights from industry experts on the latest cloud and data security news and trends. Thank you for listening.